Morning, all. I see everybody's figured out that Sunday school actually starts at 9.40, not 9.30. So, good job, everyone. Nice, clear instructions. Well, Jesus, we just thank you for... uh, meeting with us in this place. We thank you for the opportunity to, to gather with your saints and receive from you uh, that, that bread of heaven. And God, today I just pray that you would break that bread. I pray that you would pour out on us uh, that wine. God, pour out your spirit on us, Lord God. And, and today that uh, that you would get done what you want in this place. God, surely you have something that you want to say to this people. Lord, and we have something that we want to tell you. And God, we just pray that that we would meet in this place, uh, both of those things coming together exactly as you would have them to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. So, uh, over the summer for my birthday, somebody got me uh, this little documentary about uh, Spurgeon. I really like Spurgeon a lot. And uh, um, I finally sat down and watched it yesterday. And, you know... If you can do the math, my birthday was like three months ago, but um, it was really a blessing, and uh, you know, to to see this guy that, uh, you know, he in this place where everybody had all this training and this really dry, dusty, boring, tedious preaching. Here was this guy that everybody thought was too plain and too uh, almost vulgar because he talked like everybody else talked. And, and uh, you know, he, he taught the Word of God the way that, uh, in a way that people could understand without being all pretentious about it. And, and I really appreciated that. And uh, um, and seeing, uh, you know, this, they give you a little bit of insight about about him as a person. And read little excerpts from his diaries and things. And and uh, he talked about how every Saturday evening he would put together enough. Uh, sermon outlines to last him a month, and not, but not do anything with them. He would just throw them away, and and he would. Uh, he said that the vast majority of the time that he spent preparing for the Sunday service was just waiting for a topic. I thought, wow. So I'm not the only one. Yes. Like, so that's a relief. Might be a bit of a stretch to draw any other comparisons between me and Spurgeon, but that at least I like. <laughs> so, um, so go with me to First Peter four. I was looking through uh, some notes of mine that were, gosh, probably 17 years old or so. I, I came across them when I was in high school. Ron gave me this really nice. Thompson chain reference Bible with a genuine leather cover and everything. And at the time, I didn't really appreciate how nice that was. I mean, how cool it was. And and uh, you know, I had this little Bible case that I kept it in, and not too carelessly, but I would just kind of toss it in the back seat when I was getting ready to leave church. You know, I was a kid, and uh, it's still in really great shape, all except that the. the the spine is almost totally pulled out of the cover. It's just barely hanging in there. And I looked into it, and it would cost just as much to fix it as it would to replace it. 
and so I just keep it around. I keep it in my nightstand in its box, and I only get it out occasionally. But I had these notes in there, and uh, it was interesting because it was uh, these notes about going through difficult things, and. Uh, um, I had like these little scriptures grouped together with these little questions like, why is this happening? <laughs> when is this going to be over with? <laughs> yeah. I thought, wow, how timely that I would find that. Um, so being in First Peter 4, and having said that, I think you know where I'm going. Um, <clears throat> so we'll start in verse 12. Uh, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory should be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. So, we all know that verse. And and it's a funny thing because don't we all think it's strange as soon as something (laughs) fiery happens? It's like, why is this happening to me? Like, what did I do? Or what didn't I do? Or or whatever. Or why did you do that? <laughs> Doest that thou to me? You know, you, you know people are taking you seriously when you talk in old English. I, I knew somebody that uh, if ever he was uncomfortable with something he wanted to say to you, he would always use a British accent. And so you could tell, even if you didn't see it coming, it's like, oh, he's uncomfortable. Like okay, well let's talk about that. Like he's whipping out the Cockney accent. He must be anxious about something. So let's talk about that. But um, but no, we all think it's strange when something bad happens, and we all go into what did I do mode, right? Ever you know you work a new job or something, or you know maybe you're like me and you're not very good with a computer, and you're sitting in front of it and you're like, what did I just do? I don't know how many times. Like, what did I just do? <laughs> and uh, we we often take that approach with with our walk because we go through difficult things and we think, what did I do? How did I mess this up this time? And, and it's not that. There are times that you know God will let you know, hey, this this thing here is causing you some problems. Let's let's go a different direction with this. And that is a grand thing because. Uh, uh, um, you know, it makes me think of Ron's story about his friend or his brother wanting him to test out the electric fence for him. You only usually have to do that once. Uh, you know, I, it took me several times when I was a kid before I discovered that licking a nine volt battery was a bad idea. And uh, yeah, you know, there's no, something about something painful surprising you that uh, is amusing for the people around you, but. Um, I, I had to jump off of a ladder once because I didn't want to get tangled up in it and break something, and it was going down. And uh, uh, Mike was really amused with the look on my face when I came to rest on the ground because I had this mixture of shock and surprise and anger all at the same time. He's like, you look like a character from like Mike Tyson's Punch-Out or something. <laughs> And I did. I was surprised and quite irritated. But anyway, so thinking it not strange concerning the fiery trial. So uh, do you suppose anybody would be exempt from the fiery trial thing then? No. You know, I knew somebody that had a 
they had this great dream where God was talking about all these wonderful things he was going to give them. Uh, it was, and it was a contract that he was going to have to sign. Uh, but there was this this one spot on the contract that was just all blacked out. And it was like somebody had just written word after word after word on top of each other. And you just couldn't read it because it was just a blob of ink. Uh, and in the dream, he asks God, he's like, so what is this thing? And he's like, well, you know, you, you get that too. But, you know, but you don't get this stuff here without signing it. We thought, okay, so he signs the contract, and then his life just fell apart in real life, and uh, and then and then God reminded him of that dream. Like, see, this is the stuff that was under the blob, right? You wouldn't have signed it if you'd known you were signing up for this. <laughs> but this this comes with the other thing, you know. And so so often we get those package deals in life, and um, you know, it's a blessing how. Uh, you know, God knows how to bring you in a place where you don't mind taking the good with the bad so much. And uh, and He trains us about how to take the good things and the bad things without too much whining and meowing in the process, if that's a word. It sounds something like our cat does when he's unhappy. He does drive us crazy. He's a good cat most of the time when he's outside. But um, uh, no, he, he jumped up on our stovetop yesterday while we were cooking something. I thought, well, that would be a surprise. Like he would only do that once if he landed on a hot place. But one would hope. He's not that bright. Um, I don't know. There's something about you walking down the hall and you, you see the cat drinking out of the toilet when he has a bowl of water already. Why? Why? And then he wants to climb on you and lick you. Like, no. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. You and I have different ideas about hygiene. Okay, so, so the fiery trial then. So, these, you know, things happen in your life and... Are are they good or are they bad? <laughs> you know, these these fiery trial things, good things. Um, you know, uh, Ron referenced something recently that that my mom totally used to do when I was a kid. And you would get a splinter, they would always stick the needle in the fire to clean it up before they jabbed it into your flesh, and uh, and and it works well. You know, but you you need that 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 fire, and we've been talking about that around here lately, about how fire cleans things way better than water does. So, I mean, if you went down to, you know, the Carolinas right now, or Florida, or, or Georgia, there's a lot of water, but it's none too clean. Big, nasty mess. And uh, we were looking at images of the hurricane from the space station, and it was awesome. And just this, like... 300 and some mile wide thing. It just looked like snow. It just looked like really pretty snow with a sinkhole in the middle. But just to see the, the sheer size of it was really cool. But uh, but fire, on the other hand, it, it just, it, it cleans things in a, in a different way. It just, it burns up all the stuff that you don't want there. You know, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here. 
You know, I, I can see all of your singed eyebrows from here. No. I have had some singed eyebrows, you know, after I had that incident with my grill last summer. I, I remember coming inside and washing off my arms and all this crusty, dried up, crunchy hair just kind of falling in the sink. Like, plink, 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 plink. Because it, it had been burned. But, uh, but it's a good thing, you know, that God does. So he says, uh, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory should be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, then happy are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And on their part, he's evil spoken of, and on your part, he's glorified. So these difficult things we go through, I mean, he's talking about persecution here, being reproached. Um, but these difficult things, uh, it brings glory to him when you go through those things because it, it it's just more more proof that he's the guy that gets the stuff done, and that he's the guy that answers with fire. And he's, he, because he, he's, Talked about that all the way back in in the days of the kings with Elijah, and uh, and he had you know the you guys all know the story confronted the prophets of Baal and their their god did nothing because he was taking a nap and and he couldn't hear them and then you know God was the god that answered the fire. So, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. You know, the thing that I find interesting uh, about that, you know, again, he's talking about being persecuted, but when you start going through these fiery trial things, uh, so often they're just things that are inside that nobody else can really see. And or that, and if you try to explain it to somebody else, they don't get it. It's like, what do, you, what, what do you mean? I mean, what's the big deal? You know, I, I've been talking a lot about this thing that I've been dealing with, and I can't explain to anybody why it's so bothersome. It just is. And, uh, but it's interesting because then here he starts talking about uh, suffering as an evildoer. You know, that, that, and he said, let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, as an evildoer, or a busybody, and other men matters. But if any man suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but glorify God on this behalf. So, you know, if you're going through something on the inside, then you're still going to deal with those accusations. And that goes right back to that sense of, you know, what did I do? Because uh, we have an adversary that knows that he can pick at you, and he knows that even though we know better, we're superstitious. And as soon as something difficult happens, we start thinking, what did I do? Yeah. And so God trains us that, well, you didn't do anything. This is this is me um, fixing things in your life, and you're going to be glad that I did. And so, uh, and you know, the those accusations that come to you inside where nobody else can see, where nobody else is around to hear it. That that's one of my pet subjects because uh, it it it's something that that, that, it, that the enemy will do, and he'll just he seeks to just rob your sense of well-being in God, your sense of confidence that He loves you, your sense that He's happy with you. And so He says, let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, 
or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Because if you were doing any of those things, you would know it. But these accusations come that says, like, oh, well, you're going through this hard thing because this happened. This fiery trial thing is happening because this happened. It's like, no. It's like, actually, I'm suffering as a Christian, so I'm not ashamed. And and I'm just going to glorify God because he's, he's doing this stuff in me and it's going to be good for me. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, then what shall the end of them though what should the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, then where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? So let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as to a faithful creator. All those little guys and gals. If they had snacks, I would follow them. Maybe not. But so he talks about the the judgment beginning at the house of God then. So so God uh God gets in there and gets you ready for the things that he wants to do in your life. And not that he wants you to just hang back forever waiting for you know, the the moment to be just right and everything to feel ready because that's what the servant did that hit hit his Lord's talent. He just felt like, well, uh, I'm not ready yet because this, that, and the other thing, and so it'd probably be better to just leave this here. So at least, you know, at the end of the day, he gets this thing back. And uh, and of course, that's not what he was looking for. And so, so he 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 begins with us, and he and he purifies us because. Uh, you know, if you're going to have a uh, a vessel that you're going to drink water out of, it needs to be clean, and so uh, and so he knows how to how to do that in us. So he says, "Let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him and well doing as to a faithful Creator." So God also says, and it escapes me where uh, it says that He doesn't willingly afflict us. You know, and so. Uh, but here it's also saying that that we do suffer according to the will of God. So, um, you know, Paul said that he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So God knows how to bring you to that reasonable, mature conclusion. You would think he would come to that right away at the altar that I, I'm done with sin forever, and 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 you probably think you are, or feel like you would be in that moment. And as time goes on, uh, then. Uh, your flesh wants to reassert itself and say, "Hey, still here, by the way, just so you know." And uh, and so, uh, as we grow in the Lord, He brings us to these places of, you know what? I I am just done with this thing. I'm done paying this price. I'm done suffering these consequences. I'm done doing this to Him. I'm I'm done with the stuff. So that's another great thing that fire does. You know, I mean, fire works uh, from just every every angle. I mean, if if there's nothing wrong with you, it works. If there's all kinds of stuff wrong with you, it works. I mean, fire <laughs> fire is just grand, and it and it's an equal opportunity medium of consumption. <laughs> so, you know, it's you know, if if it can be burned, fire will burn it up. 
and uh, we had a little candle burning on our on this little uh, table right in our, inside our front door the other day. And Zoe had been out in the front yard, and she came in with this little twig with a bunch of dried up leaves on it, and she goes and sticks them in the in the candle. And I was like, no, 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 like snapping my fingers at her, like, no, 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 no. And of course, you know, she, she felt bad because you know it's like that getting on to me here. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, I'm not, I'm not mad. Let me let me show you something. We take the candle outside. <laughs> And pick it out in the driveway and set the leaves on fire. And they were kind of damp, so they didn't burn very well. But I was like, see, this this is what I didn't want to have happen in the house. Because everything in the house will burn. <laughs> so that's all. No problem. But, but you know, so fire, fire does what fire does. Go with me to the other scripture that I had. So, I, I I see that you would gain the time. You will tell me the scripture, and you will tell me what I was going to say, or I will cut you all in pieces. No. Okay. Um, okay. Um, how about Malachi chapter three? I was flipping through this little. Christian book catalog thing. They had this video, uh, this, these, these videos of uh, comedians. And I grew up watching stand-up comedy, as you might imagine. And, uh, you know, to find someone who can really make you laugh without being nasty is, is really a rarity. And this guy had a thing that said, clean if it kills me. I thought, wow, I want to get that. <laughs> like, I'd like to hear that. Um, God knows how to, how to get us clean if it kills us. So, oh man. So, um, so in Malachi three, I'll just start at the beginning. You know, and, and really, this whole book is uh, is about uh, about God getting His people ready, and He's getting ready to change the covenant, you know, because He talks about. Uh, and we're going to read here about purifying the sons of Levi, purifying the, the vessels for the ministry. And, and of course, Malachi ends with um, you know, this, uh, this reference to John the Baptist, you know, very clear prophecy about him. And so um, you know, we, we know that we're coming to the end of the church being the church like it is now and coming into something new. And so the whole book... Uh, of Malachi kind of points to that. So he says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. You know, uh, I, I looked up this word fuller, and it's... Uh, it's used a bunch of times throughout the Old Testament uh, as wash. And uh, uh, particularly in the ceremonial law, particularly in dealing with uh, somebody being unclean, and then they wash their clothes and then uh, at the end of the prescribed period, and, and then they're clean again. Uh, and and it, this word has this idea of uh, treading on, on the clothes under the water. 
And so that's an interesting thing because it sounds kind of uh, unpleasant for the clothes. <laughs> you know, to be, have, be underwater and have someone stomping on you. But, um, you know, but it's interesting because, uh, you know, here Israel was looking for their Messiah. And, you know, of course, we all know they, they kind of were hoping that, that he would come out of the clouds and, you know, throw off Rome and Israel would be the greatest kingdom in the world again and, and all this stuff. And so, um, you know, it says that, that the Lord will come suddenly to his temple. So, you know, they, they were looking for that. But it seems that they weren't looking for this who may abide the day of his coming. For he shall stand when he appears, and he is like a refiner's fire and fuller soap. Um, you know, there's, uh, uh, I think we've all had those times in our life where, uh, where we came to the Lord wanting something changed in our life, or, you know, something that we were not happy about in our life that was going on, and, and we want God to fix it and clean it up and make us feel better about it. Uh, and so we're kind of hoping for you know a hug and a pat on the on the head, and and instead he gets out the listerine and the you know, you know yeah you know and and that's that's never quite as fun but it's way more profitable and uh, um, so you know uh, I remember being a kid you'd come in with the you know scraped up knees after you wiped out on your bike or whatever your mom would always get out the peroxide and pour it on your knee and you know I'd always you know, it's like, oh, this is the most horrible thing ever happened to me. You know, what are you doing to me? But, you know, she knows that you got to get it clean. And and so so that's what God does. And and that's a good thing. Nobody nobody likes inflicting pain on their children, but uh the understanding that it's a necessary thing is is really good. So, who may abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appears for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller soap? He shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi and purge us as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. So uh, I looked up uh, a little bit about refining silver. And silver melts at 1,764 degrees Fahrenheit. That's kind of hot. And, you know, so to think of, it's like, okay, so... So God is going to heat me up until he can kind of scrape off the gunk. So he's probably going to have to get it fairly hot. Like, well, that doesn't sound like much fun. But, uh, you know, but he does. And, uh, and you know, they, uh, the, the more times you refine something, the more refined it gets. The nicer it gets, the better it gets. And, and so... Uh, the more time you have spent on this process, the more valuable and the more pure it becomes, the substance that you're working with. And so, uh, this, you know, the silver is as pure as it's going to get when you can see your reflection in it. And when it, when you can see, when you can look in this, you know, whatever, this little puddle of silver or whatever you have, or and, and maybe you let it cool off, and you can see yourself in it. And, and that's what God is after. He wants to be able to see Himself in you, and 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 He does. You know, make no mistake with that, because He 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 came to live inside you, and He put that incorruptible seed in you. So when He looks at you, that's what He sees. It's just all the other stuff that He that that 
he would like for everybody else to not necessarily see, but see what he sees. So that's a great thing for God to do. Some of us, I think the stuff on the outside may be prettier than others, but that's okay. Uh, Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old and in former years. So, you know, I think that's a precious thing to say that 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 offering would be be pleasant to him. You know, that sense of it's like the trees with the where they they didn't eat the fruit for the first few years after they they got into Canaan. It's like, well, you know, yeah, it's fruit, but, you know, let's wait until we've kind of got all that other stuff out of the way and then we'll eat the fruit. Uh, Go over with me to um, Psalms chapter 12. Psalm 12 is uh, the guy on the that played Spurgeon on that little documentary called it. I loved it too because, uh, you know, he had this uh, kind of country bumpkin sort of accent when they sent him to London. And so, you know, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, did you hear that guy? I mean, you know, they're all, you know, refined, got their little, you know, glasses on the stick, you know, and, you know, and here's this guy, this, this kind of boisterous, you know, bushy beard, and uh, and I love it too because everybody called him Charlie. And uh, the, at one of the places that he was at, um, they had they had the these ferries that would ferry people over the over the Thames, I think it was, and uh, or one of the other rivers that goes through London. And uh, the ferryman would just say over the river to Charlie. And uh, and that was just all they said on Sunday mornings. And I mean, people would pile on, and uh, because they wanted to hear what this guy had to say about the Word of God. And uh, I thought, man, that's so cool, you know. And and how, um, uh, and he said in his diaries, he's like, uh, pretty much every Sunday, uh, I usually end up throwing my breakfast back up because I'm so anxious about ministering the word of god to all these people you know it's like god has has offered has given me the task of of feeding his people with the choicest of his fare but to uh but to actually be in that place is a is a kind of a frightening thing you know and uh said that uh he would mount the steps to his little pulpit just every step he'd say come holy Come, Holy Spirit, because he was just—he knew that it wasn't in him to do anything. And he recognized that it was that it was God that did the thing. And they had this guy that was talking about him, and and I thought it was really funny because um, he, you know, he didn't have any formal training, but uh, as time went on, he started this little minister's college or whatever. And there's this guy—it's still there—and there's this guy that uh, lectures there, and. Uh, and so I was kind of thinking, huh, Bible school, huh, you know, and and he, uh, this guy is like, has a, I don't know, some sort of degree in knowing about Spurgeon. I thought, well, that's kind of a waste of time. But uh, but the things that he said, I, I really thought was really cool because he, you know, he's had, had studied a lot of his writings and things and, and gained a lot of insight about who he was as a person and, and how he understood that it, it wasn't the, it wasn't the preaching itself. It wasn't the, you know, it wasn't just what he had to say, and it wasn't just showing up and saying it. But it was the, it was the, the power of God, and and the and the prayers 
that, that made all the difference in the world. And, like in all of his personal correspondence, he was always asking people to pray for him. And I thought, wow, that's really grand. Um, let's see. I told you Psalm 12, didn't I? All right. Um, well, it's short. I'll just read all of it. Uh, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, and with flattering lips and a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things. Who have said, with our tongue will we prevail, our lips are our own, who is Lord over us. For the oppression of the poor, the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord, and I will set him in safety from him that puffs at him. So that's grand. uh, Nothing quite like being in this, this fiery trial type of place where God is refining you like silver like Fuller's soap, getting you as clean as could be and and uh, having the adversary picking at you and bringing those accusations and uh, and all these things, uh, puffing at you, I guess you could say. And uh, to, you know, to have God, uh, God arise and, and, and bring you through those things, you know, uh, Psalm 18 is one of my favorites, and uh, you know one of the best things about it is I remember being in the service once, and, and Ron was just reading down through there, and it talks about how you know David was in trouble, and, and he was calling for help from the Lord, and talks about you know this like dark clouds and lightnings and thundering and smoke coming from his nostrils and, and all the stuff, and it's like. So do you think God feels like that when you need help? Do you think He has that type of indignation against your enemies when you need help? And and uh, and, and is ready to smite your enemies in the hinder parts, as it were. I love the King James. Um, and you know, I think nowadays we say that a little differently, but. <laughs> Um, but not here. The Baptists do. I don't know about the people up the street. I've never been there. Um, but uh, you know, but that sense of so is God on my team. You know, it's it's funny how we we start out with this understanding that God is for me and that, that He loves me and He wants to wash away my sins and make me a new person and save me and everything. And and then as time goes on, we just sort of lose our sense of confidence in that, and and that sense of uh, God purifying us uh, makes us feel like God is somehow dissatisfied with us or unhappy with us. When uh, you know the thing is, is uh, if you have something valuable. You're gonna you're gonna take care of it. You're gonna keep it. You're gonna keep it clean. You're gonna keep it tidy. Yeah. You know. I mean, uh, I I train my children on on things. Doesn't mean that I'm unhappy with them. Doesn't even mean they did something wrong or whatever. I'm training them because they're valuable to me, and because I care about them, and I and I want them to be the very uh, best that they could be, and. Uh, 
And so, and so God does those things with us. He sees, wow, you know what? You know, there's there's such such potential here. It's like somebody who goes into a really ugly house and thinks this house could be really pretty. And so let's make it really pretty. And that's what God does. It's not that it's a bad house. It's just it needs to be a prettier house. And so God knows how to do that. So he says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. So purified seven times. That's an interesting call. So I know you're all mentally clicking off. Well, there was this one time I went through this one thing. That was there was that other fire trial thing, and and then no, I don't think that counts. And, you know, you know, and and I don't, you know, I don't think there's a literal seven that you could be looking for, but but perfectly finished. And so God, He He knows how many times and how hot to get it to to get you to that place. So. I, I would think that uh, you know a, a clay vessel would probably burst into flames or melt or explode or something if you got it 1,764 degrees, but maybe not. But but a furnace of earth. Then so he puts his word in you, and and then he he tries it. He tries his word in you, and and I think it's interesting that he says it that way because it's kind of like we try his word and and make sure and we find out that it really does work that it really does happen it, it's a precious thing that that there's no reason for god to have to prove himself to us he shouldn't have to but he knows that he does and and so he just does and he doesn't get a chip on his shoulder about it he 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 understands that that you're just dust you're just flesh and and so he puts his spirit in you but uh, but it's a baby, and you can't reason with a baby, so you just have to be there. And then, as they get a little older, you have to train them and prove to them. You know, I, I'm still proving to my kids that I know more than they do. And and sometimes they come up with the right conclusion. Yes, Dad does indeed know more than me. But uh, I I hear that gets worse as they get older. But uh, it never happened to me that way. <laughs> yeah. Now, I was in the most unfortunate place of, uh, when I got born again, I felt like because I was a Christian and my parents were heathen, I no longer had any obligation to listen to them, and that I knew better than them, and uh, I really wish somebody would have taken me aside and been like, listen here, son, like they're still your parents, and this is what the Word of God says, Uh, because that would have made life a lot easier, Uh, you know, because... Now, arguing with your parents and telling them that you know more than them is really un, uh, sort of looking for, yeah, <laughs> unsafe. That depends on your parents, I guess. Um, <laughs> unwise, let's say. Not prudent. Yeah. Could be unwise. Could could be unsafe. <laughs> you know. You know, one time I was driving with somebody. I hadn't had my driver's license very long, and. You know, the some people there are no rules in the parking lots. You can just kind of drive wherever you want in the parking lot, right? And uh, and so I was just kind of meandering through this dark parking lot, uh, all willy-nilly, not really following any sort of lines of any kind. 
person that I was riding with was like, you know, maybe you should slow down. You're going to hit something. I was like, nonsense. And then immediately this car just goes right in front of us, and then I nearly hit them. And I thought, huh, maybe they were right. How about that? So it never hurts to be able to listen to people. So, But the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. So he, he just... He, puts his word in you and and then things get hot and and you find out that uh yes he does indeed love me he loves me enough to work on me and and make me better and you know that when uh when they find precious stones in the earth they don't just leave it like it is they work on it the uh like the the diamond I bought for Cynthia, they have they figured out like this mathematical thing to make it uh, as bright as possible. It's all like totally figured up mathematically, and uh, and there's like only six people in the world that are allowed to cut these diamonds for this company or whatever. And and so to uh, but doing that makes it more valuable than just a pretty rock. And and so so because somebody that knew what they were doing made it into something even better, and so that's what God does with our lives, and that's what the fiery trials are about. It's not about destroying you. It's not about making you miserable, although sometimes it does. But uh, coming to that place of just surrendering to the will of God that if if this is what you want to do with me, then that would be fine because you're here with me, and and. Uh, and I know that the thing that you're doing in my life uh, will make me uh, more valuable to you, and and something that you could use in this world to uh, uh, to shine your light. And so, so that's what God does. And uh, but I, I thought it was interesting that I found those notes. It's like, why is this happening to me? And when is this going to be over? It's like, well, when when God gets done what He wants to get done. It, over that uh, so it's an interesting thing how God just he proves to us over and over and over again that he's not capricious or mean or random that he that he has a purpose for the things that he does in our life and um, you know I think I think sometimes it's hard for us in our society to accept that God does that kind of stuff in our life because you, and you can see that in the the Western church because our Western culture as a whole is all super convenient and easy and comfortable and uh, and it just that's just the way it is. It's impatient, you know. And it's like I I, I don't I don't want to wait you know twenty minutes for a pizza. I want it now. And so they invented little Caesars. And <laughs> yeah, so yeah, pizza of a sort. So. Um, so God's very wise in the things that He does, though He teaches us patience, and uh, and you are forced to learn patience when you're somewhere you don't want to be, you're doing something you don't want to do, and it doesn't. There's nothing you could do about it, and so, uh, but knowing that God has put you there uh, because He's doing something, uh, coming to that that uh, a rest in that conclusion, uh, it's amazing how much better life feels all of a sudden that this is okay because this is something that God's doing. So Jesus, we just thank you for your word to us.
We just pray that you would uh, do in us exactly what you want to do. God, that, that just like uh, with the silver, God, that you would refine us. God, that you would uh, make us into exactly what you want us to be. God, that our, our faith in your goodness, God, would not fail. Come with understanding that the things you're doing uh, in our lives, you're doing for, for good and not for evil. And God, we just pray that you would do in this place today, God, what only you could do. And we pray that your spirit would minister, that uh, your word would feed us. God, that you would do uh, exactly what you want. God, nothing more, nothing less. God, we're not here because it's Sunday morning. God, we're here because we want something from you. And God, today we want to offer you that praise and glory and honor, Jesus. And we just pray that you would uh, draw us into that uh, place of closer proximity with you. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.